0: Relevant magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. October 1st, 2019. My name is Jesse Carey, and you are listening to The Relevant Podcast. Uh, We have a very, very great show today that I can't wait to tell you about. But first, I want to introduce who is with me today, live from Paris. uh, He is uh, halfway into an arm's length baguette, carbon up for the show, (laughs) our very own senior writer, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, welcome to the show. Bonjour,
1: everyone from Paris. And yes, you've got me in the middle of a a petit déjeuner.
0: Oh, well, no one knows what that means. It's a giant <laughs> hunk of bread. It's not even low, it's a loaf. big bread hunk. And also joining us today, I'm excited to introduce someone who uh, will be sitting in with us from time to time. Yeah, I think you've been on the podcast before, right? A couple times. Okay, yeah. a couple times. It's our creative director. That's your official title, right, Katie? It is,
2: it <laughs> is. Our creative director. I
0: thought that was the, I want to get the official official. <laughs> because uh, he makes everything uh, at relevant look awesome him and his team most Uh, of it uh, uh, John David Harris we call him J.D. J.D., welcome to the show.
2: Greetings. All
0: right, so uh, we got a lot to get to today, guys. Uh, first, I want to tell you that uh, about our guest. We have Rebecca Lyons on the show. Man, I was so pumped about the conversation I had with her uh, about her new book, which is out uh, today. Actually, today is the release day for this book. It's called Rhythms of Renewal, and the subtitle is Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. That is the ultimate. Felt. <laughs> if there's a yeah. bigger felt need just among like our generation right now, I don't know what it is, um, you know, but d- then, you know, what could be bigger than dealing with stress and anxiety? And the great thing about this book and the conversation that is coming up later, I really encourage you to stick around and listen for a lot of just really practical steps that she did to, to uh, be more present in her life and being more present has helped her, uh, you know, really take anxiety and stress head on. So very excited uh, for Rebecca Lyons coming up. Um, but first, before we get in, uh, you know, JD, it is a custom when uh, we have a uh, someone joining us for the show that isn't on regularly okay. that, we, that we get to know you. Oh, great! We get to know JD. I know oh, JD boy. pretty well, and I have the infamous, um, I have the infamous table topic oh. cards here that I'm pulling oh. at random. I'm sitting Special. in the chair here in the Orlando studios, um, and I am pulling the table. The table topic cards. All right, JD. Yes. The first one I am pulling out at random. Great. At random here. Uh, uh, oh man, that one's... You know what, I'm gonna go with this one. I,
2: I,
1: you almost pocketed it. it. So you, you, you second guessed
2: yourself. Uh, this it, is... It is a red card. It is a red All card. All the other rest of them are green, and you just pulled yeah. a red one.
0: Okay, so it's confession time. Oh boy. And this could be oh, Secret yeah. Sense. Let's get it off the chest. Let's air it out here. <laughs> What's one thing you've done that you'd like to
2: erase? Oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> agreed to be on this podcast. Okay, okay. Well, it's legally binding. And you want to get it
0: do you need to tell me, the listeners what you told me late last night while you were crying and asking for prayer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you could change places with anyone, who would you choose?
2: Um, if I could trade places with anyone Oh lord, that's hard, right? Um I think I think i'd like to be oh, sh- i don't know uh trade places with anyone i yeah. like kind of where i'm at so you so. would not trade
1: places with How I don't know. Would you trade places you nobody you would trade places with in the world jd i don't know i, mean, I, I respect it but i'm not i mean i got a great family i mean
2: yeah yeah career, obviously if it was like <laughs> if it was like uh like trade a job or something yeah. maybe like Kathleen Kennedy, who's like overseeing all the Lucasfilm stuff, that'd be okay. fun. Okay, getting That's to like fair. getting to like know the Star Wars secrets and and plan what happens with. Indiana Jones movies or something yeah. nerdy like that. Yeah, that's I can really get, nerdy. I could get down with with, <laughs> with a nerdy job like oh, that. That'd be that'd, That's that'd like the new Mike hey, if, if series, I series. Mike if I could pick someone, jobs. I wouldn't. If I could
0: pick someone I wouldn't trade places, somebody responsible for the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> that, seems, like, like, that seems like partly the worst job ever because literally even the most minuscule decision you make, oh, it's, ridicule. It, yeah. you're going to get ridiculed and angry fans.
2: I feel like that's what working at Relevant is like right now though. So,
0: <laughs> Tyler <laughs> who who would you who would you change places with anyone yeah. in the world
1: Yeah I was thinking about this cuz that that is a good question Um uh, I think that I would say I feel like you know I was I was watching and I I don't recommend this necessarily but I was watching SNL over the okay. weekend Um it was kind How of a you. Sorry for your loss center uh, yeah, I wasn't on, I wasn't on board. I I didn't laugh very much, but but you know I think that I feel like Billie Eilish she, that girl has got a good thing going. She doesn't yeah. have to do a whole lot, and she's still living the dream. She 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 barely her songs are good, but she barely yeah. sings. She yeah. doesn't <laughs> dance. She wears whatever she wants to wear to work. That's true, and it's it's she's and she's still a multi. She's making enough money. She's making SNL money now. She's headlining SNL with Woody Harrelson. I feel like that's a pretty good like that's a good pretty good teenage energy that yeah. she's got going on right now so right now i would say i'd, I'd be get on her train
0: yeah i would i would good. do that as well that's a better I, answer than I, mine i have an answer and it's gonna lead me into a new segment that Ooh. i'll fire up oh, okay, and cool. right. i'll tell you when to play the music but uh i would trade places with um the highest ranking intelligence official in the united states government here's why this the this whole uh storming area 51 thing mm. uh-huh It was supposed to happen, you know. Bit of a flop. We're we're a week out from when you know, millions of people had agreed, <laughs> had agreed. <laughs> That's like
2: contractual s- obligation. I know.
0: Okay, so for, if somehow people aren't familiar with the story, what happened is, as a joke, some, uh, a college kid created a Facebook group called uh, uh, Let's Storm Area 51 to see them aliens. And, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he convinced, he had millions of people sign up for this event that was, that took place on September 20th.
2: Celebrities too. Yeah, yeah.
0: celebrities yeah. were there. But the, because he was genuinely concerned, probably for very, very good reasons, <laughs> about the implications of a horde of, of, ironic meme culture, uh, you know, internet fans literally just storming the gates of a a military base. He, he, he kind of, once he saw it, spider out of control, he changed it into a music festival, which he called alien stock. A bunch of people went out there. Some people did go to the gates of area 51, but uh, they were not allowed to proceed because (laughs) it's a military base. But if I was in the role of a top intelligence official I could be like, all right, time to see them aliens. What do we mm. got? Open the files. Let me see them. Like, I want to. We got, we got spaceships.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do we
0: have spaceships? I've seen the Bob Lazar documentary oh, yes. on Netflix. Okay, so what a lot of people don't know about JD is this:
1: Are you JD just playing the X Files. Yes, and just ones wait, ones, and I
0: mean, it's over and over. It's yeah. the one we have rights to. Listen, I got to do my uh, intro.
2: Okay, okay, because listen.
0: JD's here. And uh this is this is his favorite topic. It is 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 mysteries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. From aliens and Bigfoot to secret codes hidden in the Bible. Illuminati peeking around every corner. It's time for strange happenings. Happenings, happenings, happenings. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm okay. in. Okay, so I didn't even tell JD we're doing this nope. today. but <laughs> this is—I want is a surprise, to do.
1: But I'm on board with this now bi-weekly segment. <laughs>
0: it's so, a spinoff podcast. On the first going... edition of Strange Happenings with JD. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I want to know. Last night you went to go watch the the tel- you. I so a little context. I came down. I flew in yesterday. I'm hanging out for the week. I'm staying at one of JD's uh, 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 buddies' house right now. And JD's like, well, why don't you come and join me? It's Monday. And Monday, me and my friends get together and we watch the History Channel program, Ancient Aliens. That's true. Most <laughs> people know this program because of- The, the meme. The meme. The meme. Of yeah. what's, the guy, what's his name? Uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos. Yeah, Giorgio Tsoukalos, where he's he's got the crazy hair and he's an excited expression on his face. And he's like, I don't mean to say it's aliens, But But it's aliens. Okay, so for the first edition of Strange Happenings, J.D. has seen every episode in all 15 seasons. There are 15 15, seasons. Fifteen. I didn't know that. There are 15 seasons of this show, Ancient Aliens, and each episode is an hour. So I I, I can assume there's 20 episodes per season. Something like that, yeah. So off the top of my head, J.D. has consumed well over 200 hours of Ancient Aliens content. Okay, for the first edition of Strange Happenings with J.D., JD I want to tell I want you to tell us okay. that after watching all of these episodes of ancient aliens what do you believe is being hidden from us that we need to know about? And you're also, I should say this, JD. You know, he's also you're 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 a believer. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you know, JD knows the Bible well. He volunteers in ministry. So this <laughs> is know, a, like a
1: believer, like like in the X file sense. No, like you no, 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 no.
0: Yeah. He, I'm just saying he's not a skeptic, but he's also so so. We're gonna get someone who's you know by virtue of. Taking like three college classes worth of ancient aliens <laughs> lectures, yeah. Uh, and someone who you've also do. You, have you taken? Do you have any seminary background, JD? Yeah, actually, my, all of my degrees are in uh, perfect like, seminary. That's right. So we have a seminarian, we have a theologian, and an ancient alien expert. Okay, all in one. Give <laughs> us the ta- give us your take right now. You have open ears, Tyler. You have oh, yeah. open ears, right?
1: I, I am. I can't wait. Chandler, this
0: I'm is Chandler. This is peak podcast content, is it not? Uh, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell
2: us what your theory.
0: Tell us what your theory is of what's actually happening out there.
2: So, um, I one of the crazy things is I actually feel like the entire ancient alien phenomenon is actually the ultimate conclusion of materialism. So okay. it's the idea that everything that we believe in or or that surround us has to be concrete, which is contrary to like spiritual beliefs or, yeah. or or things right so when the enlightenment happened right yeah and scientific methods started being developed and all these things we kind of did away with anything supernatural
0: or mystical
2: or mystical correct yeah. and so what you have now is you have this entire generation of people who are uncovering these things that they cannot explain and so what they have to do is they have to create something that's scientific to answer their claims okay and so like when they look at stories of the Bible or they hear about stories of healings or they or they um, or looking at other religious texts and they hear about all these like interactions with beings that don't fit into our current yeah. understanding because of materialism they have to up the ante right yeah. it can't be supernatural it's gotta be aliens
0: yeah so 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 basically you're saying I that this. i did yeah, this so, so that up until the enlightenment people had like a more intimate relationship with the supernatural, sure. It, it, or
2: they were just more open to it. Yeah. It was like, oh, we don't understand how this thing could work, so it, maybe it's there, there the divine. A
0: lot of, the, yeah, there was a lot of people, like, or or yeah, exactly. Or like, oh, of course, it could be, you know, angels or whatever in the Bible. Right, right, right. And but then, when, but when the the when the Renaissance hit and people started embracing reason, they had to come up with a rational explanation based everything. on the natural world. Right. And you're saying that's where the theories about aliens come from,
2: right? And uh, ultimately, it's the ultimate. Con- conclusion to it because no matter how much they've all tried, like they can't reconcile all of the stories yeah. or they can't reconcile all the things that we interact with as humans. And so, and and I think it's funny cause it's like eaten itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> because you've got all these scientists now who are like, no, 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 we don't believe in ancient aliens. We don't yeah. do that. We don't do that. And they're using the same, the same kind of loose bad versions of the, me- the scientific method, but they're yeah. using the same things. They're like we see, we see here that there's this, and we can't think of any other explanation. And we know, like, gods and demons are fooey, so it's got to be something yeah. physical. What's what's more powerful and than us that's outside of our realm of existence? Oh, aliens. Yeah. And so they attribute everything to, to aliens.
0: All right, let me ask you this. That's a good answer, but it discounts my next question. To <laughs> I should have rehearsed this with you. But... <laughs> Uh, we've talked about this too, and this will, I'll conclude, uh, strange happenings with JD on this question, Mm. but there is a verse in, there's a story in the book of Ezekiel. Yes. Where the prophet Ezekiel encounters some sort of strange, as it's described, people can go look up the verse itself, but he, he encounters some sort of what sounds like a strange sort of craft. Yes. It, you know, it's described as as descending from the sky and carrying these odd creatures that, you know, deliver him prophecies. But it, it, the only way that, the only words he can put to it is it look like wheels upon wheels. Yeah, wheels
2: within wheels. Wheels yep. within wheels, which yep.
0: sounds like some sort of strange spacecraft. Do you, what do you think Ezekiel is referring to? It, because I've heard in like the ancient alien circles people will look at that and be like see Ezekiel ran into aliens back in the day right do you, wh- what do you think that that story is referring
2: to Well, and I think that that kind of backs up my point, right so so these alien uh, the ancient alien theorists, as they call them on the TV show, yeah. they will look at something like this and go, well, it can't possibly be something supernatural. So it's gotta be okay. something natural. It's gotta be something physical. Yeah. And that's obviously aliens. Okay, um, But I do know that like, now obviously with that scenario, you're talking about like potential angelic beings or yeah. whatever. Um, growing up though. <laughs> okay. Cause your, your <laughs> worldview has shifted <laughs> yes. since yeah. the, um, you know, the, the, some of the people within the church that I grew up in or the little circles that we would talk and theorize about stuff. And they like really buy into these ideas of this like pre Adam civilization. And these like times before Adam, these times that would exist in the early phases of Genesis, which would leave room for like dinosaurs and yeah. and, And like the fall of Lucifer and how he had his own empires and kingdoms and stuff. And so they see all these things and they think like, Oh, this is evidence of this like, Secret history yeah. that still all has like winks and nods in the okay. Bible to these moments. But the, the, and so what they would do is they would see like aliens as being like physical manifestations of disembodied spirits mm. or fallen angels or something like that, which I'm like, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Why are they doing those yeah, things yeah. that they're supposedly the doing? Um, yeah. But um, at the same time, I, you know, I think Ezekiel is seeing things beyond what his. Comprehension has. Yeah. And so he is he is writing them the down. Words. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the the materialistic response is like, oh well, this wheels within wheels have gotta be aliens. Yeah. Where I mean it could be something crazy or some sort of spiritual, spiritual manif- yeah. manifestation could of, be, of could some be sort. God. Right. Yeah. yeah it yeah. could be yeah, which is what
1: Ezekiel it thought it was.
2: Yeah. Right. And so you have like scenarios. I mean, have you seen the latest uh renderings? Um that they've done of the the NASA just released of the supermassive black holes, no, that look exactly like the massive black hole that Kip Thorne came up with for the Interstellar movie, where oh. it looks like circulating wheels within wheels huh. and stuff, and it's just these crazy things, and, and so that's not to say that God is a black hole, <laughs> yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but God, but, but God <laughs> may interact
0: with the natural world in ways that we don't quite
2: Yeah, there's things that we are still like observing. Um, and I think good, like healthy science is based on like observation. So you yeah. observe it and then you figure out what it could be yeah. through observation. And I think the religiosity of that science is, has kind of started to take on areas where it's like, oh, well, we don't talk about that because that's a thing. And then yeah. like, oh, no, it can't be that because of blah. But really it should just be about like figuring out through these observations what it is. And you know, Giorgio and his fans—they're just well, aliens everywhere. <laughs> maybe,
0: maybe after another and 15, maybe they're right. Maybe another few hundred hours, and we'll finally get to the bottom of all this. Sorry, Chandler. <laughs> cue the music for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hit that music. Segment one: of Strange happenings with JD. Okay, okay, right. okay. That okay, okay, <laughs> was a very successful. I was, I was,
1: uh, I was listening. I can't speak for our listeners, obviously, but I, you but as, a, as a listener. And a and a fellow co-host, I had a great time
0: listening to that. Yeah, so did I. So did I. Well, hey, uh, that will that will do it for your introduction to JD and the first segment, the first episode, maybe the only. I don't know (laughs) of strange happenings with JD. Up next, slices. You are listening to Spirit of the Beehive. Mm. Chandler, that's made up. Don't you lie. (laughs) (laughs) The song is Fell Asleep with a Vision. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Foles with the new song, The Runner. Well, today's Slices is brought to you by Warby Parker. Uh, Dude, I love Warby Parker, and they have such a cool story. They were founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique-quality eyewear with a revolutionary price point. It was a collaboration between two friends. It was conceived as an alternative uh, to overpriced and bland eyewear a wearable today. They believe that prescription eyewear shouldn't cost more than a plane ticket or a new iPhone. And by circumventing traditional channels and engaging with customers directly through their website and retail stores, Warby Parker is able to provide high quality, good looking prescription eyewear at a fraction of a cost. Also, it's if you've ever ordered or if you've ever heard about Warby Parker before, you probably also know that you're engaging with a really good cause. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. That means 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, which is crazy because glasses were invented 700 years ago. Warby Parker partners with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Warby Parker believes that everyone has the right to see. Sunglasses from Warby Parker start at just $95 and includes polarized uh, lenses, and you can get prescription sunglasses starting at just $175. Uh, so incredible uh, prices, especially if you've gone glasses shopping. They are not cheap. Uh, but Warby Parker is an affordable price point. Um, so listen, here's the deal. Order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days, and there's no obligation to buy. They ship free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com slash relevant to order your free home try-ons today. And you can take a quiz to find out a pair that works perfect for you. The quiz involves questions about how you like your glasses to fit, how you like them to kind of sit on your face. And because you get five different pairs, you can find the one that fits perfectly for you. And right now, speaking of glasses that that fit perfect, I'm sitting across from, from J.D. And J.D., tell me what you have on right now as we speak.
2: I am wearing my Warby Parkers because for the last about six or seven years, I've only bought Warby Parkers. And that includes both my prescription normal glasses, but I also get prescription sunglasses. Uh, being here in Florida, it's it pretty bright. Yeah, and they're exclusively the only thing I buy. How many pairs did you say you found? Oh gosh, probably about twelve. Wow, different hey, pairs. Hey, when you when you come home
0: and you get the new Arby's on, what 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 does the fam say?
2: Oh, it's so great. My favorite part is that try on kit because, yeah. like you know, they even have a great a great app that you can use that where yeah. you like take the picture of yourself, or it even does it live where like augmented reality puts the lenses on and like that's a cool starting place but then you order that take home kit and they send it to your house it's very easy you pop it on my wife gets to say yes no 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 (laughs) yes yeah and then you're like (laughs) you like you know get down to your bottom two or whatever you figured out then you ship it home or you ship it back to them for free it's super easy i don't have to go to a store i don't have to be hassled by an optometrist or somebody who's like trying to sell me the the upgraded versions that they get the kickbacks on. I don't have to worry about any of that. I just order it and like a week later they get to it. And the other thing that's great is they have an awesome warranty. I don't know if we talked about that, but like I, um they they guarantee against scratches on the lenses. And so like my, my frames were, I still liked my frames, but the lenses were getting scratched up and I called them up and they just sent me a new pair. Easy
0: peasy. That, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that app is for for the iPhone 10. So you can you, can, you download that and check it on your face. Uh, and, and remember, glasses started just $95, and that includes the prescription. Uh, lenses also include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. There's blue light filtering lenses that are also available for people uh, who are concerned about the effects of blue light. Um, so remember to check out the deal right now and get your free try-on kit Go to warbyparker.com slash relevant today. All right, it is time for uh, slices. Typically, I go first, but since I'm uh, in the hosting chair today, uh, you know what, Tyler, I'll kick it over to you. Why don't you kick us off, man? Yeah.
1: oh, That's uh, that's very nice of you. Thanks. So I wanted to, uh, I I thought this was sort of an interesting uh, it's a little, this is a little bit nerdy in a different way than okay. listeners might be accustomed to from me. This is, this is going into like bookworm territory. But, uh, Jesse, I know you saw this slice on the side earlier today. I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on it. So the Chicago Public Library System is, has now become the largest library in the country to do away with late fees altogether. They had, they, they just today are not only getting rid of late fees for future books, but any late fees they have on File there right now are also getting wiped clean. So a year of jubilee in Chicago for wow. the book nerds, right? They, so no, nobody. If you, if you, oh, if you are in a Chicago listener, or if you've ever rented a book from a Chicago public library and you did not return it, you can you can leave your house for the first time. You're you're free. Wow. You're free to go. <laughs> you, you can leave debtor's prison. Um, in the past, Chicago, like many other libraries, had a limit. Uh, in this case, once you hit once your late fees hit ten dollars, you were barred actually from the public library oh, system. Wow. You couldn't go in anymore. That applied to, uh, according to their estimates, some 30,000 members of people in Chicago right now. So those people are all going to be allowed back. Um, And the reason they did this is uh, because they wanted to, obviously, to increase access to the library, Uh, the people who are at the library. According to Library Commissioner Andrea Telly, uh, who responded to critics who suggested the move might be a blow to personal responsibility, said, and this is a quote from her, she said, libraries don't necessarily want to be in the... Morality business, and we don't want to make the assumption that if a book is late or someone can't pay for a fine, that they're delinquent or bad in some way. They may just be in a place in their life where they can't pay the fine. Um, I thought this was super interesting. I lived in Chicago for a little while. I lived near a library. I was working uh, something out with a homeless charity while I lived there, and I remember the library being a huge, being what what uh, what's called like a third space in the Chicago community. Another place people can just kind of go and be, especially if you don't have a lot of home security, uh, a library is a place where you can go. It's warm. Uh, You have internet access. You can apply to other jobs. You can work on your education. You can work on your homework. A lot of times they have free classes, free after school classes to help you tutor in uh, subjects that you might not have. So I think the library, in addition to like, Bringing out books is just a good place for people to go and they can, uh, it's serves the public good really well. Uh, so I think that's super interesting. I also think I thought it was a fun experiment. Can you imagine today if we didn't have libraries like pitching the idea of a public library in <laughs> today's world? <laughs> well, can you imagine like what that pitch would be like? Like going into the c- Congress and saying, I think we need to, we need, we need some taxes. We need to pay for a building in every city in America. To have a bunch of books, including books that people already have, like Harry Potter, like the Harry Potter books <laughs> or the yeah. Bible, well, a known bunch of books.
0: books that you can absolutely go into like Barnes and Noble, or Amazon, and purchase. Yeah,
1: yeah, that you could buy them. You could you could stimulate the the economy with the with the, with these, or you could just go to a library. You could take it for free. And you, it's staffed by a paid team of like book experts, like book scientists (laughs) who have, who are educated. Like they didn't just go, this isn't a volunteer thing. They're paid. And this isn't like they went to a workshop to learn how to help people find books. They're like went to college for this to figure out how to do this. How did this even pass in the first place? let alone how is it? I don't want to say this too loudly because I love libraries, yeah. but I feel like if the wrong person hears about this, they're like, we got to abolish that. We can't be
0: doing it. That's
2: just I don't need Uncle Sam
0: telling me to read books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I read good anyway. <laughs> Uncle. Uh. Don't tread on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I the, the, have you When's the last time, JD? when's the last time you step, you went to a library?
2: Oh, I, I actually went to a library recently because they like the Orlando library, they rent out like rooms for meeting spaces. Yeah. And so I was meeting a, a buddy of mine, uh, to do a kickoff meeting. But, um, as far as like, besides that, yeah. to like actually go into a library to rent or rent, Yeah. <laughs> check out a book. Yeah. Um, you don't rent it. That's what's no, crazy no, about you it. Just, there's no just, money involved. no you just transaction.
0: You borrow a book. JD, JD, they were really confused because JD handed them an old expired <laughs> blockbuster yeah, card. Yeah. I was like, like, is hi? that how this works?
2: <laughs> do I just give you this card? Um, no, I, I can't remember. You know, I cannot what, remember the last time I checked out a book from the when library. When you
1: were a kid, JD, did you go to the library? Like, was that part of your growing up experience?
2: A little bit, a little bit. I mean, it I was would a go big to part the, of mine. I would go to the library at our school. Yeah. Um, Because I went to one of those. I (laughs) I, 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 I don't understand that. Now you've lost. The the, the biggest thing
0: uh, thing about the library in school, like the library was okay in school. Like, it would, but you had to be quiet. Like, it wasn't that cool. You read scary stories to tell in the dark. That was one thing you you did. You hide it. You You hide it because even every illustration was nightmare inducing. And the other thing that the the good thing about the library was that was usually the location of the scholastic book fair Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay. they're selling stuff that has no educational value, like at the Scholastic Book Fair. It's the best day of school as a kid. And you walk in there and you're like, well, uh, I already have textbooks. I think I'll buy that Lamborghini poster. (laughs) i I own that poster of the green Lamborghini. Mom, dad, it's at the school. It must be good for me.
2: I mean, I also remember that the library used to be the only place at our school that had computers. Uh-huh. That, yeah. that dates myself I don't think that's a little the case bit, anymore, but, but um, but like I mean, we would go in the morning and all huddle around and try to be the first kid at the computer station to play SimCity 2000. Yeah, which <laughs> Or was Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Just load so. me up,
0: load me up on musket balls, and <laughs> and that's really all I need because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting close to any river. No, we like, don't have time my for that. Journey, we just got to go hunting. My journey is going to end. Uh, <laughs> is gonna last about a hundred yards into the woods, and. I'm... I am going to take out as many buffalo as possibly can. <laughs> Me, my family is in the caravan slowly dying of dysentery and I'm slaughtering endangered bison <laughs> on the American prairie. the American way. That's what I did in a library at school. But if they want to keep them around, I mean, I thought it was cool when I was a kid. Yeah. I'll say this. I've been to libraries recently because both my kids like going to library. Libraries now, books are like secondary. Like, oh, they got, you can check out books here because they have like interactive displays. They have like games. Like, what I have a library near me that has a toy room. They have meeting rooms, computers. It's, <laughs> like, it's like, the books are literally an afterthought. So, to
1: your so point, it's Tyler. Followed, it's followed sort of the Amazon route of starting out as a book yeah. thing. But yeah. man, it's like, we don't, we don't have to limit ourselves. People don't like to read anyway. So I wonder just if start. there's
2: like, a, like an amount... Like a, like a a bare minimum amount of books you have to have to qualify as a library. Yeah. Like yeah. if I just put like ten books in a corner and said like, yeah, you can borrow those, but here, check out the like interactive toy section. Like, I, is that a library I, or I,
0: I, are you saying like this in your garage? Like you're just going to open your garage door and there's going to be books on Why the ground not? and be like, come on in and check out all my weird stuff. It's everyone. the library
2: on Walnut Street.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I do think I do think abolishing late fees, especially like you said, Tyler, because it's potentially prohibitive to people who you right. actually use the library service if if they fall behind. And, you know, if it, if someone has a library fine and it's between paying that fine and continue to use the library, but if they're really strapped or that $10 could be used for, you know, food or to pay a, you know, part of a bill, you, you know, I, I do think depriving people of library services because they fall behind on late fees. I, I get it. I think it's a good thing.
1: And in it, In CPL, uh, I wasn't aware of this, but, um, but I saw, uh, I, I figured, I always figured that fines were part of like just how they paid, how they made ends meet at the library. I I assume that was the big thing. But as it turns out, at least in Chicago, fines made up 1% of their huh. annual budget. Oh, that's wow. a, so, so abolishing the fines was not, was not going to significantly impact their day-to-day whatsoever. I don't know if that's different in other places, but in Chicago, that's the case.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't understand why it's not just like the old Netflix model, like back when you used to get the physical things, yeah, no, how now. like just after yeah, a certain amount sure. of time, if you didn't return it, then... They just charged you for the cost of the thing because yeah. the the ridiculousness about it. Yeah. right and the ridiculous thing about the late fees is you can have like four hundred dollars in late fees on one Dr. Seuss book.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: I, I always
0: mm-hmm. I thought it was weird when we were young where public libraries started moving towards like CDs and books. Yeah. I mean <laughs> CDs and movies, it's like I get why I should be able to check out a book, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the 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 you know, an ancient dynasty in in, in like China or something. It's some some history volume, but it's like why, does the, why is the library allowing people to check out a copy of Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is the city, why does my city care? if its citizens have this at its disposal <laughs>
2: babe, for free. Babe, I picked up this great documentary at the library about this guy who dies, but it, these <laughs> well, two you, young businesses. Yeah, you I mean? like, like, when you started around.
0: just to get like mainstream movies at the library that there's real no community value in, why did the city care, like I said, of making that available to its citizens? Like, sure, they could rent it. Sure, they could go to the theater, but we must use their tax dollars so that they will not miss Speed <laughs> 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> An American classic. <laughs> Yeah, hi. They
1: did have. Did you ever? Did you ever? When you went to the library, did you ever get on that? They do this a lot in movies about journalism, where they get on the microfilm. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. The uh, okay, old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even totally know what the process is of converting something to microfilm. I don't know how that would go, but that's how you used it. You couldn't when you, before you. This was Google. Except for you yeah. just turned the little knob over and over.
0: You know what the fun thing about the microfilm uh of uh, montages in films is like it's so great at showing the passage of time. Yeah because like <laughs> the, the journalist or investigator goes to the library and gets in front of the microphone microfilm and he's like, you know, or him or her is like spinning it. And like at first they have like a necktie that's like tied nice and tight. Oh, like yeah, as yeah, they're yeah. going through articles and reading headlines, what? None murdered 1846. What is this? And they keep like going back and like the necktie is getting looser and looser and all of a sudden they're sweat and they're just like they're drinking coffee they're like pacing sandwiches they're pacing the, around right. as the headline show and all of a sudden they stumble upon the evidence and then they like just at that point they start looking at their over their shoulder like oh my gosh is anyone going to see this is anyone going to see that i found the evidence you know like right here it's been in the microfilm the whole time and they and like hurry the, librarian,
1: up. the librarian comes back and like ma'am we're closing up and she's like five yeah. more minutes i just <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if it's if it's only for the reason of preserving microfilm montages in films, yeah, we would need yeah what would scriptwriters have? What trope would yeah, they be able exactly, to? Yeah, because so. Google—that's boring. Yeah, I don't want to watch yeah. somebody Google all day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. two seconds. Well, yeah, was the villain's great grandmother murdered in 1946? Oh yeah, look, totally yeah, there true. There it is. True totally true. It. True. Also, yeah. also check out this. I'm getting a rec, a restaurant recommendation. It's a new sushi place that opened by the library. So, uh, all right, JD, uh, uh, what do you got for us, man? So
2: over the past year or so, Australia has been releasing uh, these new dollar coins, and. Um, They've been uh, imprinting onto the back of the of their coins like a different thing, and they decided to go alphabetical. Okay, but you know they get to the end of the alphabet and it starts to get really difficult to find things. <laughs> yeah, and especially because they're all supposed to be Australia related. Okay, well they got to Y, and they decided to mint the dollar bill for. This period, um, yeah. with the cryptozoological character of the yaoi. No, the yaoi is like the Australian sailor. Fire up the
0: music real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> you yep. I didn't know this was gonna be a slice, but it might as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, volume <laughs> two. Episode two. Welcome to volume two <laughs> of strange happenings okay so okay. continue
2: so um so the Yowie, so the yaoi is a smaller uh hairy bipedal cryptid right so it's like a Sasquatch or- <laughs> oh, no, no, no. wait wait wait
0: <laughs> not everyone is as well versed in this as you a smaller bipedal cryptid yes break that down for people I feel but-
2: like that's self-explanatory
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a
2: sm- is it spelled y-o-w-i-e-i-e so y-o-w-i-e so I. E.
0: so jd this is a a fictional or oh, crypto creature oh, oh, yes, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. that right, walks right. on two feet uh, Correct. and uh is is small how small is smaller
2: uh well it just would be it's small for the like sasquatch Okay. Type creatures, okay. so it's okay. probably just like human size. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, but the first
1: illustration th- I found online has it carrying a kangaroo under one arm, which <laughs> is impossible for a person. But that's, that's that seems what? like a large. Is it a yeah. caribou
2: or a, yeah. a caribou? A kangaroo or or a wallaby? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, um, it looks like a
1: kangaroo to my untrained okay. eye. Yeah. i don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I know but
2: anyway, the kangaroo eating or wallaby eating uh, Yowie <laughs> is uh, is their like mythological legend. Now, this isn't the only. Only cryptid to have uh, graced on money. It turns out that um, back in the day, uh, the British Royal Mint honored the Loch Ness Monster um, on their own uh, coin, and actually um, Sasquatch himself, Bigfoot, was put on uh, some paper money up in Canada for a while. So, so they're just joining the trend. And what I want to know is when does America get ours?
0: Okay. Oh yeah. A good
2: like, like, I mean, there's all like we we meant special things, yeah. we, did, we went through the states. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for our cryptids. Why doesn't Ohio have a Mothman coin or, or, or you know, yeah, or like new let's Jersey, say, the Jersey Devil? Like, there's tons that are out there, yeah. We have a lot say, of them.
0: Let's say they're making like a new for some reason, just hypothetically, like a $30 bill, right? You know, and they're like <laughs> Roosevelt's overdue, but you know what else is Bigfoot, right? <laughs> so like, right. like <laughs> if when you like the $30 bill, where the president is typically framed, it's just the Bigfoot. It's like, uh, uh,
2: I actually think the best, the best increment for this would be a $2 bill because the $2 bill is already like, it's already weird. It's already weird. It's already like not really in circulation, but it still counts. Yeah. So if like, if you grabbed a $2 bill that had a picture of the like Lake Champlain monster on it, you'd be like, what? Yeah. Jackpot.
0: Yeah. That would be cool.
2: Jesse, I just want to point out that you keep using the word fictional, and <laughs> I don't know if that's sensitive. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: <laughs> cryptozoological. Thank you. Thank you. Figments of people's imagination.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, JD. Thanks for thanks for your slice. That'll do it for episode two of strange happenings. All right, mine has nothing. Well, my first one is I have a twofer as I okay. typically do. Um, I wanted to talk about a new. Russian, <laughs> a new Russian startup. It's a tech startup, and it's in uh, the city of Perm, which I love the name. I love... Yeah, a bunch yeah. of curly
2: haired people. I, walking I picture around. it's a
0: very fashionable city. It's in the Russian city of Perm, and this this uh, a tech startup is called Promobot. And the idea with Promobot is it's a human Android, and it looks incredibly lifelike in some ways, although when you look at it, it has cold, creepy dead eyes. like it is it is meant to look like a robot. but not only is it meant to look like it's meant to look like a human, it's a robot that's meant to look like a human, but not only that, it's meant to look like you.
2: Ugh.
0: it is a um. robotic copy. Of you. And so they have already apparently sold dozens of these to um, uh, uh, people around the world. And they're using them as sort of like surrogates for the people. Uh, So like if uh, (laughs) like... Like an an administrator, um, uh, these are some of the examples they give. An administrator, a consultant, a guide, concierge. Uh, So let's say, Tyler, you were the concierge at my hotel. People really liked you. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I can buy a promo bot for like $12,000 or whatever they cost. And it'll look just like Tyler. And he will say whatever Tyler says. I can just replace Tyler with this mm-hmm. robot. They, some people said they like. I'm out of town right now. I could, if I had one of these that looked like me, I could have my wife put it at the dinner table so I have dinner with the family, and they would look and talk to a robot version of me. You know, so, I
2: was going to say, Jesse, your eyes are looking a little dead today. We know. What'd you say, JD? What'd you
0: say, JD? What'd you say, JD? What? I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> so this is basically like a. So this is like a Blade Runner thing, but yeah. instead of replica, like. Like they're actually replicas of like real people, exactly. But I would assume the technology hasn't gotten to the point now where it's like a convincing.
0: Right? No, like he, I, I mean if you were, he, honestly, it, it looks like a version of that person if they were like drugged, <laughs> like sedated. <laughs> like from the pictures, it's like that might be him, but something ain't right. Something isn't right there. I feel like
2: this could be a good, uh, prop in like a home alone style movie. Yeah. Where like, you know, instead of the Michael Jordan poster moving around on the, uh, train, you could have just a few of these set up to scare away would be burglars. Yeah. You know what they look like?
0: You know what they look like? Like, have you guys seen the, everyone's seen it's on all the time, that State Farm commercial where Oscar from the office has the robot version of himself. Uh He's like the State Farm Mm -hmm. agent and he starts glitching and his eyes start spraying. And that's what these look like. Like, it, 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 they definitely have like the uncanny valley. Like, you guys know that term. Yeah. Where it's like something that looks almost human, but is slightly off and it like deeply unsettled you. Yep. They, they call that in the design world, right? The yeah, uncanny it's the valley. the uncanny
2: valley, yeah. Yeah.
0: And you try to avoid that in design. Like, that's why it's not, that's when you watch like a Pixar cartoon or, mm-hmm. or, or, or if you, um, you know, are looking at like Android pictures of androids or things. They design them to look overly cartoonish a lot of times, or overly robotic. Like when you're watching, like I said, like a Pixar movie. There's a reason the Incredibles look like cartoon versions of people, right. and not real people. It's easier for us
2: to accept it. Whereas, it, like that Cats movie trailer was like, nope, it's very yep, unsettling. It's like too close. Nip, yeah. It's very yep.
0: unsettling. The other, the f- most famous example, and they they point to this having failed in, initially is the film Polar Express with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, where it's an animated movie, but they sort of like face map the characters, mm-hmm. and they're almost human, but they're not quite. And people were very unsettled by it, and they and, and the effects are called the uncanny valley effect. So uh, these robots are very creepy. If I wanted a robot assistant, I don't need it to look like a real assistant. Like I don't have a problem with it being a robot, you know. But they've sold dozens, and you can go. You can when you out- say
2: dozens, you mean like. 12 plus one? They, or 35. Mean, oh, they 35, said they okay. sold, <laughs> sold
0: 35, but they're really ramping up here. And I have no idea what the cost. So they're called promo bots. Okay. I have one more slice. And this one, I'm really interested in your guys' feedback on this. Okay. I didn't want to read into it too much about the implications. I just wanted to kind of share the data and let people kind of <laughs> chew on it. This is from the, from Pew Research Center. And, they recently conducted research about how different segments of Americans view uh, positions of authority and power in society, and so there's a okay. lot to unpack here. You can go read more it at Pew, but the, the the couple examples I wanted to talk about, you know, I, I noticed Christianity Day also did a piece on this, um, is how evangelicals view differ from not only other not only like. Catholic Americans and unaffiliated Americans. Um, but uh, how evangelicals differ from other segments of society. First, mm. evangelicals break the average, uh, they have a higher than average view of police officers. And people in the military and military leaders than the rest of the American population. So okay. uh, they're more willing to trust military leaders and police officers than the general population or even Catholics. However, they this is are evangelicals. This is American okay. evangelical Christians. Okay. Um, however, even though they trust uh, police officers and members of the military leadership more than the average population. Uh, when asked about journalists, they have a a less favor. They it's actually less than the average. They favor and trust journalists journalists less than Catholics mm. and unaffiliated Americans. Hmm. So uh, again, I don't. I don't really know. It doesn't really you know, read into the implications or reasons. It's just kind of putting the research out there. But I wanted to talk to both of you guys real quick. Why do you think evangelicals, uh, you know, break the average when it comes to these two areas? You know, basically members of the armed service and, and police officers having a high view and journalists having a low. Does One, does that surprise either of you?
2: it doesn't surprise me, but maybe only because I was like raised up in it. And I know that like to me um, it was, it was always like seen as a authority scenario. Cause like authority is a real big buzzword and, like concept with inside the evangelical yeah. community. And there's like, you know, you're, you're, you're wanting to be under the covering of your senior pastor and la, 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 la. There's yeah. all these authorities, you respect titles and stuff. So people that would have a title um, or a place of authority would automatically get that. And I don't think that um, they would view journalism as some sort of like title or role of authority yeah. and so it's like you respect authority you honor authority and this is very like honor culture is yeah. very big in evangel the evangelical circles um and i think it kind of stems from there i also think it probably stems from at least in my scenario a lot of the evangelicals were coming from uh I don't know how you would say this, but like, a, I guess a demographic where there were a lot of servicemen and women and a lot of like police officers and stuff. And so therefore it's something they understand more. It's something they can relate with and they want to like respect and honor those yeah. things. Whereas like, you know, in Newport, Richie, Florida didn't have a, a ton of like journalism yeah. majors flooding yeah. out of the, the schools. And so um, I think there's a little bit of that too. I've also been curious as to, I've kind of noticed that amount of honor in like the military and the police force but I've also been curious about how that um how that in in my view kind of is counter to their their views of the second amendment because it's usually from, like, at least from my experience, it's been this thing of like, yes, we honor our military and we honor our police officers. Okay, well, what about your guns? No, I need my guns to protect myself from police officers yeah. in the military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, like, kind yeah. of the, uh, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> um, so that's, um, that's always been interesting, yeah, that but I do it. think it, it comes down to like that honor culture that's built within the evangelical circles, yeah, that they just carry over to places with title,
0: yeah. Tyler, what are your thoughts, man?
1: Yeah, I would be super interested in. I'd like to see the obviously evangelicals, uh, uh, overwhelmingly white group of people. So I would be interested in seeing also sort of the racial breakdown of a study like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Since uh, statistically speaking, uh, white folks do have a lot more trust in the military and in police officers than black people have for a variety. I think of uh, a very valid. Uh, substantiated reasons based on the uh, on, on the headlines, so I think that would probably need to to factor in. The journalism thing is is interesting, and I would be interested in seeing what the breakdown of that is over time. Like, was there a time when journalists were considered more trusted and has that gone downhill as there has been a perception among the Republican Party that that the MSM, the mainstream media, is like out to get them? And because most evangelicals do identify with more of the, the Republican Party, they feel sort of an obligation to also uh, take up common cause against when we say journalists, we think of like the major outlet, New like the New Times, York Times, yeah. uh, the Washington Post, CNN, places like that. So those would be the two questions. I'd be I don't know the entry to those things. Those would be the questions that I would have about does that has that changed in the past 10 or 20 years? And what is the the racial breakdown? What sort of correlation is there with the yeah. racial breakdown of the people surveyed here?
0: Yeah, it's certainly interesting, and it's interesting one to keep an eye on, uh, especially as it pertains to, you know, I could see, like, J.D., you were saying, for a ver- for a variety of cultural reasons, um, you know, members of our armed forces and, uh, you know, service members, particularly leadership, as it's referenced in this, have, a, you know, a high, are in very high standing evangelical circles as well as police officers, but I do feel like, it is interesting that they that evangelicals seem to be a lot more skeptical of institutions of in journalism. So it's a, certainly an
2: interesting study to keep an eye on. So um Well yeah, and you and you uh wrote an article a few issues ago about how evangelicals are also susceptible to conspiracy theories as that's well. That's right. I and mean, so disproportionately kind of, so. Yeah, and yeah. so it it's an interesting um compounding um
0: Thankfully, I'll say this, thankfully that there are journalism institutions within Mm. Christianity that take their their responsibility seriously (laughs) and will not mix cryptozoological theories (laughs) when we find those we will let you know about them (laughs) all right well uh, all right guys that'll do it for Slices next up Rebecca Lyons joins us All right, you're listening to Mia Folick. The song is Premonitions. Today's featured interview is brought to you by the Life Application Study Bible from Tyndale House Publishers. Well, many of us, uh, many of us relate to the Bible sometimes, but what if there was a Bible for all times? This is why Tyndale created the Life Application Study Bible. It's the best-selling Bible in the entire world. It's the pure text of the Bible paired with profiles, maps, and timelines, all written in plain English. It's called the New Life Application Study Bible for all times. Listen, when I say maps, 16 pages of full-color maps. When I was a kid, that was one of my favorite parts about oh, yeah, like, reading the Bible. To the back of the yeah. Bible
2: and like, look at all the maps? Yeah.
0: So, hey, J.D., can I read you a couple things that what make this Bible such a life-changing resource? Ready. It begins with the unique character of its study notes, which include, here's what it includes, the information necessary to help you understand the passage and the truth that is being taught, an explanation of how the truth is relevant for today, the application to your personal situation. Other study Bibles don't attempt to accomplish all of this comprehensively in their notes, but that's what makes the Life Application Study Bible so cool. Um, with the Life Application Study Bible uh, all in one place, it provides what you would need to apply biblical teaching to your life every day. Uh, Whether you're new to the Bible or a lifelong reader, this study Bible includes clarifications that can help you understand the language, advice on how to apply the Bible's teachings, descriptions of the context, settings, and profiles of key people in the Bible, guides for finding what you're looking for, and so much more. So don't forget to get the Life Application Study Bible wherever you get your books. All right. Today's guest is Rebecca Lyons. She is a national speaker and bestselling author of the new book, Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. Uh, In it, she draws from her own battle with depression and anxiety and shares a pathway to establish four life-giving rhythms that quiet inner chaos and make room for a flourishing life. Along with her husband, Gabe, Rebecca serves as a co-founder of Q Ideas, a nonprofit organization that helps Christian leaders winsomely engaged culture. The organization's global live stream has featured uh, thought leaders from everyone from like Mountain Gladwell to Tim Keller to really cool event. And this book is really, really great. If you or you know someone who's been struggling with anxiety or depression and is looking for practical ways to implement new practices in their life, I would highly recommend this book. But anyway, without further ado, here is part of my conversation with Rebecca Lyons. Well, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to write uh, Rhythms of Renewal.
3: Well, goodness. Let's see. The backstory is that I first developed panic disorder nine years ago when we moved our family to, to Manhattan. In some ways, I thought this was a new kind of a midlife reset for me. And getting the streets of Manhattan ready for this life of meaning to kind of reemerge on some level. Um, in this same season, I had my first panic attack on a flight from Atlanta back to LaGuardia one night late, uh, a couple months in. And it was it just came over me, and i couldn't I couldn't stop it. I was powerless to it, and it was driven by claustrophobia, but it just turned into like this just desperate need to escape yeah. and It wasn't rational so um my body reacted in a way that began on that on that airplane, but then once I got back to the city, you know once we landed, you know there's eight million people in this span of eleven miles, and so personal space is not a thing. And I remember what began at the end of the flight was planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. And so this kind of came the norm of my everyday life for about the next year and a half. And so over time, I do remember um, in September, the next year, there just being a moment in the middle of the night where I just cried out to God for rescue. He got loud for me in that season because I was just pretty desperate. I was you know, had grown up in the church and my faith was real, but I, I didn't need God in the way that I did in this season. Mm. And so I do remember crying out just in just this earnest, like desperation, just like rescue me, deliver me. I can't do this. I cannot do this. I have three children. I'm a husband. I'm trying to make a way here in this new place. And I can't do this without you. And in that mm. moment, my body just came out of panic. Mm. Like, and normally that like, would never Happened unless I left a situation. I was able to escape. But in this moment, it just stopped. I was just still. And I just felt like flooded with peace, like peace that wasn't mine, clearly. And um, th- that began a healing journey. And so slowly I started to write about it and talk about it. And um, it turned into a couple books and teaching for the last, I guess, goodness, seven years. Um, and I did not have another one for six years. Wow. And the reason that I start this new book, the third book, with the one that I had six years later is because I think this is a message that we fail to communicate, especially in the church, especially in places of faith, um, with a lot of people who are dealing with anxiety and depression. So six years later, I'm in, I'm trapped in a bathroom in, in California in this like really small cell in this old house overlooking the sea, and something rises in me, and it's. It's more intense than anything I could remember. And I was all losing it. And I thought, man, what does this mean? Like, I'm a fraud. I've, you know, talked about this peace and this rescue for so long and seen the power of that in my own life. And then here we are. What does relapse mean? What does that look like? And um, so I look up and I see this little, little, little like window in the bathroom, like far above the toilet. And I'm thinking is that thing going to open? Cause the, the home is like a hundred years old and the window latch is probably not working just like the door latch was not opening. And um, I somehow get up on top of the toilet and shimmy my way and barely make it through. And I get out and I'm overlooking like the cliffs of the Pacific below. And I wrestle with God the whole day. I was like, what was that about? I just couldn't, I couldn't pull it together. Yeah. And finally that, finally that night, falling asleep, I just heard God say, Hey, Rebecca, I don't, when I say I heard him, it's like in my spirit, I felt this promising that just said, I don't, I don't promise that fear won't come knocking, but I do always promise a way of escape. Mm. And for me, that was really paramount in this new season because we live in a culture where fear comes knocking all the time or stress comes knocking all the time or anxiety comes knocking all the time, every day. Like you can't get through a single day without feeling some level of physical symptom of stress. In fact, the American Institute for Stress says 77% of our society right now feels the physical symptoms of stress. And so with with that understanding, it was more about, okay, if you promise a way of escape, and that none of us are immune to this, then what does that mean? And um, so, for me, that just meant really just taking seriously. I started to read and study and research. This book took 15 months to write um, because I wanted science and faith to come together. I didn't want this to just be like just pray. Even though power prayer is powerful, but God actually created our bodies in rhythm. And they need rhythm and they need order and they need these four rhythms for new life to continue to flourish inside of us.
0: Now, tell me, Rebecca, a little bit about how, you know, incorporating the, you know, different methods into your day to day life to kind of, uh, you know, have these rhythms and, you know, you know, have this kind of daily perspective. What does that look like on a daily basis to incorporate habits that will set you up for, you know, kind of a healthy outlook each and every day?
3: Right. That was my goal. I was like, I need to make this practical actionable, approachable, right? Where we can somehow with God take charge of our emotional health and, and, and inspire some of our loved ones to do the same. So the way I broke this out is just the way I found it to be true in my life. And because, um, because God creates in rhythm, you know, he creates, creation happens in rhythm day and night, sun and moon. Um, we have seasons, we have ocean waves, we have solar systems, we have planets and planets. And then in the human body, we have our heartbeat and we have um, our, our breathing, inhale, exhale. We have like contractions and labor with new life coming in. We're all made to operate in rhythm. And God says, because I, because I created in rhythm and then you're the culmination of my creation. When you're out of rhythm, your body feels it. And not only do you feel it, everyone around you feels it. And so the first two rhythms are input rhythms. They're rest and restore. And rest is for spiritual, the inner life, the mind, the heart before God, just like, okay. And so the first chapter, the very practical step is take inventory of your life, like right now, like take a hard stop of what you're doing and just get alone for a day or two and and ask yourself these hard questions, like what's right and what's wrong, what's confusing and what's missing and it's just that SWOT analysis some of us are already familiar with but it really fleshes it out in my own life you know with my work and my family and um, this vocational call that I feel as well like how, how what's working and what's not I need to know and I need to be honest about it and then quit something <laughs> or five things who knows because they're sucking me dry and actually they're actually shutting me down in the area that I was actually created to, to live about And then the second thing is, for me, very practically, I started to see waves of depression for me because I'm familiar with it. I know what it looks like. And so I just, I took a tech detox and I learned three things in that season. I got so much time back for starters and I started sleeping again. Partly because of the blue light, you know, from a phone at bedtime is like the worst thing possible. And I started dreaming again. Like when I would journal, I get these fresh ideas that weren't from something I saw someone else do because I wasn't watching what other people were doing. I was just like dreaming, like on my own again, original thoughts. And then third thing is I started learning again. And I think we're made to learn. We're made to be lifelong learners. So I was just like inhaling books on science about the body. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts around that theme. And I was just like, this has got to make sense for me to live this out personally before I can begin to talk about it. And so that was, that was the rest rhythm. And then the restore rhythm is the physical life. Like what am I using for fuel every day? Like, is it caffeine and sugar or is it like, is it raw? Is it, is it from the ground? Is it clean? But you know, just in general, um, Getting active, getting outside. What does that do for our um, serotonin levels? Like things we know, but we don't really fully understand. Talk about permission to play, like recovering even in our active life. Just the things that we we loved as kids and learned that play and control cannot coexist. So for me, I had a hard time playing because I was always trying to quality control everything because I was operating out of stress and not out of just enjoyment. those are the two input rhythms that fill you up. And then the last two rhythms are the last half of the book. And those are the outputs. because the idea is once you've been filled, you now can offer something to the world. And so connect is all about relational health and create is vocational health.
0: That was Rebecca Lyons. Next up listener of the week. listening to Free Nationals with the song Oh Sight. Alright well everyone it's that time. We're bringing it back. Bringing it back this week. It's time for
2: You listen to the show and it's time to get to know you. It's a listener of the week.
0: All right, that's right. So we put out a call on Twitter to all of our listeners and we asked them, what are some interesting, we, we want to find some with three interesting facts that we can call mm-hmm. and and introduce the world to our listener of the week. Today, joining us right now, strolling through the streets of New York, no is Katie Kavanaugh. Katie, welcome to the show. Hey, Congrats.
4: everybody. Thanks so much.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, oh this is awesome. We're excited you're on. How long have you been listening to the podcast, Katie?
4: Um, on and off for years, but I have like become pretty, uh, religious about it since April. Like I've touched it as soon as it comes out.
1: Oh, well look at that. Did something shift in April? Was there a, was was (laughs) there a, did we add add something?
4: (laughs) I started walking every day and I needed stuff Um, to listen to and it just like actually has kept me going.
1: Are you walking? Are you walking right now?
4: I am, but I'm
0: on a I'm on vacation right now. Oh, oh that's cool. Uh, oh, so, oh, so well, you're, well, vaca- we'll you're you're vacationing in New York. Uh, where is home? Uh,
4: Savannah, Georgia.
0: Savannah, Georgia, and right. so are did you? Did you? Close is this Savannah. like a family vacay? Like, let's go to the Big Apple. Are you going to all the hot spots okay. like the Empire State Building? Let me give you some hints as someone who frequently travels to New York. You, you you want to avoid the tourist <laughs> traps. Head straight for the Empire State <laughs> Building, grab yourself uh-huh. from Sabaro and Antian's. Grab yourself an Antian's and I then head to, the, to you, the Statue of Liberty. So much
4: Sabaro since I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: sure.
0: Hey, listen, why mess with something that isn't broken? Right. What what is your what's your the main destination you want to go to while you're in New York, Katie?
4: Well, actually I'm leaving today. I'm currently in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm visiting a friend who lives here and we've done everything but like last night we went to the comedy cellar that was really okay.
0: great Great, uh,
4: nice. i don't know if you um heard about that, that was that was probably my favorite thing we saw the rocket summer oh a, cool at, oh wow the rocket summer that, yeah,
0: the past. Yeah. of course yeah. yes
4: yeah uh we saw broadway play we saw waitress okay.
0: um, we've yep.
4: done a lot of stuff we went to all of central park yesterday i'm pretty exhausted <laughs>
0: Oh wow. Well, it concerns me that you're in Brooklyn because if I'm doing New York right, I stay within five blocks of Times Square the whole time. <laughs> right, right. Why go anywhere? There is let, yeah. let me ask you something, Katie. Do they have a giant M and M store that's four stories high with a Ferris wheel <laughs> yeah, in it don't in Brooklyn? Even think, I don't think they do.
2: I don't even think there's an olive garden in Brooklyn at all. <laughs>
4: um, I think yeah, I actually there is not I didn't see any olive garden, otherwise I totally would have gone. Um I did ask to go to the M&M store,
0: but it didn't work okay. out. Sure. Well, is the world's largest Captain D's and Bubba Gump shrimp company in <laughs> Brooklyn and both have water slides? I don't think they yeah. are. Yeah, you, I don't think so. You've really blown Done it yeah, wrong.
4: I made sure that was my first step.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the biggest Bubba gump shrimp meal that money can buy. All right. Uh, Katie, you sent us three interesting facts. You actually sent these over this summer and I and I, I bookmarked you. I think we've tried to do this before, but we weren't able to connect. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, I think so, and okay. I don't even remember what my facts are.
1: Uh,
0: all right, well, <laughs> I will remind you. I will remind you. You were once featured on the television show America's Funniest Videos,
2: at, at a primetime institution. What? Which, yeah. Which? Which, uh, which? Which version of AFV are we talking? <laughs> are we talking like Bob Saget era, or, or Tom
0: Bergeron? Oh, I wish. <laughs> this is like as an adult,
4: which is not
1: oh. as cool.
0: we'll take it so what happened how uh,
1: so
4: i right around the time that youtube came out i had my wisdom teeth removed and my uh, parents took a video of me having the hiccups
1: and it's literally
4: (laughs) a 30 second video of me hiccuping and saying ow and i'm completely unconscious i don't know anything that's going on so that is They sent it, somebody sent it in, I think a family member sent it in and then I didn't hear from, I mean, I never heard back for a couple of years and then all of a sudden they like sent me a consent form and it was on like three or four times.
0: Oh wow. Oh, that's funny. Did you get any? Yeah. Were, do they still? I haven't watched America's Funny Some videos <laughs> for a very long time. Like I saw, I think it was like a late night joke one time that was like, America's Funny Some videos is just YouTube for old people. Like they don't know how to access <laughs> yeah, funny much. videos on YouTube. So did, were you entered into the, they still have like the million dollar competition?
4: Uh, yeah, but I only got a t-shirt. It
0: wasn't great a <laughs> Oh, well, it's more than, more than any of us can say. All right, Katie, sure. I'll remind you of your, your second fact, <laughs> which makes me laugh. And I don't know if I should be disturbed by this or not, but it says that you told us that you were emotionally allergic to ketchup.
4: Oh, yeah. I have a okay. major irrational fear
0: of ketchup. Uh, really? What, okay. Yeah. Go, go go go. let a Unpack, deeper. This, let's, little. Let's unpack, unpack this. this. Yeah.
4: Okay. Uh, we've tried to unpack it in counseling so many times.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I, well, well, I'll say this: we are far more, we're far yeah. more uh, qualified than any "quote unquote" certified trained therapist. Right. So yeah. What yeah. Do what do they what's know about, about condiments? I mean,
4: listening to the podcast has become therapy. So yeah. honestly, okay. I believe you. <laughs>
0: um.
4: So I've always hated ketchup, and then it progressively. Got worse because when people figured that out, they would try to put it on me.
1: Uh, and mm, that's no um, good.
4: I think it ended. I was an intern at a church, and they like actually, my biggest crush hit me with two pies of
2: ketchup uh, in the face. Uh, yep. Time to get a new crush. And now it's you like, were better than him. Yeah.
4: And now we don't even talk about it anymore. Like people just know nobody even makes jokes about it. It's just like, she doesn't like ketchup. We know this for a fact. Let's move on.
0: (laughs) So, so I want to know how I want to know the level of this. Like if I, if we're like, let's say the, 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 we're all sitting at a, at a diner there you know, a typical New York diner with pictures of all the celebrities that have had have come through over the years, you know, the cast of the Sopranos and such. And we're sitting down to get a burger. If I grab the glass bottle of Heinz and start putting it on my French fries and burger, can you even be in the booth or, or, or it's just, you don't want it on your food.
4: I'm actively dry heaving. (laughs) Cannot handle it at all.
0: Has, has a counselor, have you guys figured out where it stems from? it's It's just always been like that
4: always been like that. I don't know any other life oh. than not eating ketchup.
2: <laughs> Do you like tomatoes?
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with tomatoes. I'm fine with vinegar. I guess I don't care for paste,
2: maybe. Yeah, Who knows? What about like, uh, like pasta what, sauce? What's your
0: feeling? Or mustard.
1: Yeah.
4: I'm fine with mustard. I'm fine with tomato sauce
0: huh really? Wow, like, interesting. Oh, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. That is very odd. That, that is, is very weird. odd. I would. But, I, I. I'm. Last time, I. I will say this. Maybe stay away from the hind the world's largest Heinz ketchup store, now in Times Square. <clears throat> with water slide into ketchup.
2: <laughs> yeah. Water slide into. Yeah, ketchup. I didn't actually
4: see that. I haven't gone to Times Square much, so maybe that's why. Yeah.
1: I have noticed like you did that telling telling church folks about your fears or or things you do not like is a mistake because they have no sensitivity. They take that as like a dare like, oh, you think you don't (laughs) like like I I, I told just a few weeks ago, I talked about how I don't really, really care for squid. I have a phobia of squid. And when I have said that in the church setting. And when I said it on the podcast, people responded by barraging me with squid content (laughs) via the (laughs) internet and and photographs on my, on on like my desk. So this this is not, I, I can't advise if you have a phobia, if you are, have, if you are emotionally uncomfortable with anything like the two of us are, uh, Keep it to yourself or don't don't take it to the church. The church doesn't know how to handle trauma.
0: Your final one had to do with another emotional reaction. Uh, It it involved an encounter with Justin Timberlake in Lepers Uh. Fork, Tennessee. Tell us what happened when you saw JT in the wild.
4: So I was walking down the street and I heard his voice and I was like, that sounds so familiar. And I looked over and he was walking out of a tiny little store and I saw him and I grabbed my friend's arm and I ran the other direction (laughs) and he was parked right next to me. And she came, she like came running after me. She's like, what's going on? I was like, that's Justin Timberlake. And she's like, why are you running away? And my ultimate fear was that I was going to embrace
0: him. (laughs) (laughs) Like Like you were going to assault him on the street.
4: I was going to go hug him. And it made me so nervous that to, save us both the awkwardness i just ran away now when
2: you said you heard his voice did you hear him talking or was he like singing one of his hits to himself (laughs) just like he "He was his uh,
0: jessica album drops him off and he goes bye 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 and you're like i gotta go i gotta go
4: (laughs) yeah i knew that that would happen like i would try to sing all of bye 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 or i would Uh just like pretty much unravel i don't do well with celebrities yeah and I just kind of ran in the other direction and he was parked next to me. And so when I did walk to my car, he was in his car backing up and I stood in front of the car with my mouth wide open. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't believe what had just happened.
0: Well, well that was probably you know, running away yeah. so that yeah. you didn't, didn't cause an awkward situation. Well, Katie, you leave New York today. Your vacation ends today. Yeah,
4: I'm pretty sad about mm. it. Well,
0: go stock mm. up on, uh, you know, I Love NYC, C-shirts yeah, I, and NYPD gear. Uh, you know, stock up <laughs> until your next trip.
2: Get that photo in <laughs> front of is, the... Uh, show them you're a local. In front of the subway sign, you got to get your photo in front of that. Yeah, you exactly. Gotta do the,
0: you got to get the last minute stuff in. Well, yeah. Katie, thank you for taking a few minutes and being our our listener of the week.
4: Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Well, oh, it was
0: so uh, nice to meet you. Well, fellow listeners, if you want to uh, be our listener of the week, uh, DM us three interesting facts on, about yourself on Twitter, and we may select you. Katie, thanks again. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll do it for listener of the week. And that'll wrap today's show. JD, great job. Thank you for sitting in, man. Yeah, you're welcome. You're hey, hit us up natural. on t- Hit us up on Twitter if you want more of J.D. and his strange happenings, happenings, happenings Okay, uh, so thanks, J.D. Also, I want to thank Rebecca Lyons for joining us. Uh, Her new book, Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose, is out now. Also, I want to thank Warby Parker. Don't forget to go to warbyparker.com slash relevant to get your free try-on kit. And finally, I want to thank the Life Application Study Bible. You can get that wherever you get your books. Uh, all right. Don't forget to subscribe to the magazine. Issue 101 is out today. And that'll do it for today's show. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John David Harris. I'm Taylor Strange. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We'll see you guys next week.
1: I don't need Uncle Sam telling me to read books.
0: I read good anyway.
3: Relevant Podcast Network.